Welcome to the Train With Abs podcast where I talk about everything fitness, nutrition, mindset, health, mental health, business, you name it, we talk about it. I'm going to be releasing a new episode every single Monday so make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to it depending what your viewing is on so that you can make sure to never miss an episode. You probably will know me from my Instagram, which is abs underscore eats with three S's. I have my YouTube and TikTok as well if you want to head over and follow those if you don't already. And my business, Train With Abs, which has its own Instagram account with that handle as well. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Any suggestions I'm always happy to take. Just feel free to message me them on Instagram and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Train With Abs podcast and today's episode is going to be a question and answer episode so going to cover a variety of different questions from bulking to fat loss to different exercises etc so hopefully there'll be a little bit of something for everyone within this podcast. So first question just going to dive straight in um, who is the best personal trainer that you can recommend? That would be me no I'm kidding that's not the question. Um, the first question that we're actually going to start with a yeah, bad joke I know um, is tips for starting a bulk when you've only just got used to maintenance and are scared to up your calories. So I think first of all, just lining out some expectations for the bulk, the surplus, the muscle gaining phase, whatever you want to call it, can be really, really helpful because with anything that you do, I really preach this philosophy that the more you understand things, the less scary they are. That kind of works for most things in life, but particularly when it comes to challenging bits with nutrition and fitness. So it is really up to you how much extra or extra body fat you gain when you are building muscle because I think that's what it comes down to right that's the thing that's scary is okay if I up my calories am I then suddenly going to gain a load of fat and feel really uncomfortable and online you probably see different extremes you know you see people um, building muscle and they seem to just still be very very lean um, and you see people maybe building muscle and then they've gained a lot of body fat at the same time as always, take everything that you see online with a pinch of salt. Sometimes people say that they're doing things and they're actually doing something else. But you know, let's say taking that as face value, different people will gain different amounts in a surplus. And that largely depends on what size of surplus you're in. So in the same way as when you're doing a fat loss phase, if you are in a very, very aggressive deficit, you're going to lose fat very quickly and probably a bit more muscle mass, etc. at the same time. Um, compared to if you're in a small deficit, you're going to probably lose it more slowly. So if you're in a big surplus, you're obviously going to be gaining fat a lot more quickly. If you're in a very small one, then it can be minimal and sometimes not even that noticeable. You, in theory, don't need to be in a surplus to build muscle. But the thing is, as especially if you're someone that's been training for a while, over time, you as you get kind of closer to your genetic potential as well, it becomes harder and harder to keep building muscle and keep building it at a decent rate. So pushing up those calories is a way to optimize that. Ultimately, you know, if your main goal is muscle growth, it would make sense to go into a small surplus. So I think the first thing is to really kind of think, well, if the thing that's preventing me from really prioritizing building muscle is being scared of fat gain, let's just go into a really, really small surplus. So maintenance is a range. Whereas maybe being in a deficit is, well, can technically be arranged, but you're trying to be under a certain number. Anything kind of above there, you wouldn't be losing. Same with being in a surplus. You're trying to be over a certain number because under that amount, you'd just be maintaining. So if you, let's say you've been, I know, maintaining on 2,200 calories, just literally picking that number out of thin air, 
for everyone it's gonna be different let's say that's what you've been maintaining and you were thinking okay well obviously to be in a surplus maybe I'll push it up a couple of hundred to 2,500 well you don't have to do that like what's the rush a surplus a muscle building phase a bulk all the same thing um it is or should take you quite a long time muscle growth is a much slower process than fat loss unless you're like brand new to training or you're detrained or you're maybe taking steroids um so it is a much slower process you probably in order to be able to see a decent amount of genuine muscle growth rather than just change from gaining fat you probably want to stick to it for maybe nine months or even longer you can have little breaks throughout the day throughout the day no throughout the yeah throughout the time period that you're doing it um sometimes it can help to almost do like a mini cut for three weeks if you've been gaining for let's say like you know six months you do like a three month drop down of your calories and then go back to it not necessarily to have fat loss although that could be something that is an added bonus but to kind of resensitize your body to the food going off on a bit of a tangent but you know you want to be doing it for overall a long period of time so there is no rush to suddenly go into this giant surplus within the first week there is only a certain amount of muscle that you're going to be able to gain within a certain amount of time if that also makes sense so you are not going to be gaining 10 kilograms of muscle every single month. Like that is not going to happen at all. And again, the longer you've been training, the more muscle you've built, the closer you are to your genetic potential, the longer it's going to take for you to build that muscle. So just try increasing it slowly. So if we're using the same example, you're starting from 2,200 calories as kind of top end of your maintenance try going to 2300 and just sit there and everyone is different as well for some people I found that it's a lot easier to create a surplus and you only need to give them maybe a 100 calorie bump and they're in it other people it takes a lot more you've got to bump calories by maybe 500 to even start making a difference so everyone is different it also depends where in the range of maintenance you've been sitting but give that a go increase by 100 and measure over a couple of weeks if you feel that nothing's really changing if you're not gaining weight is something where I really do preach not just going off weight because I've seen time and time again how weight can literally do the opposite to what's actually happening so if I kind of go on the reverse and take a look at fat loss you can have people that have gained sorry lost a significant amount of fat but their weight is actually increased or stayed the same and there's loads of reasons for that but I don't need to go into that right now so but overall probably if you're eating more food every single day if you're building muscle if you're potentially having a bit of fat gain as well if you're in a surplus we would probably expect your weight to go up sometimes it can do crazy things and it might not go up but overall I would expect it probably to increase so you know maybe measure yourself weigh yourself take some pictures once a week or once every two weeks because that's also another thing it, it's slow it's a lot slower so as another example of that when I'm doing my muscle gain group we do bi-weekly check-ins is someone going to have gained muscle from one week to the next probably not or not enough for us to be able to notice really whereas for fat loss yes someone could actually lose a, a decent amount of fat in one week so maybe kind of every other week just kind of take weight take measurements um obviously your weight's going to fluctuate so maybe if you did that kind of once a week so you've got two data points when you're assessing everything bi-weekly and take a look what's happened you may find that absolutely nothing has changed over four weeks if that's the case well it's still not the end of the world because there's no rush you know that you can have more calories and you've probably still benefited from having that 100 extra calories per day a bit more energy a bit more flexibility with food and you've just dipped your toe into the increasing because I think getting started sometimes is the hardest part if things are changing, if you know your weight's increasing steadily, if you um, you know you feel like your training performance is brilliant, and you know you're not 
too keen on pushing it up too much yet stick there just be in a very small surplus otherwise you could maybe increase by another 100 and see how that goes so I think you know rather than imagining that you're just going to go from zero to 100 and I'm suddenly going to be in this huge surplus and it's going to like be this big panic and everything's going to change super quickly it shouldn't be changing really quickly because you can't grow muscle that quickly there is no need yes you you might gain a little bit of extra body fat because of course if you're in a surplus that's going to happen but it can be minimized you shouldn't be gaining like a ridiculous amount of body fat every single week if you are then you're in a surplus that's arguably too large so small and steady progress and look at it on like a nine month one year even sometimes a year and a half timeline and then you'll see actually there's no rush there doesn't need to be really really quick change and I've got time and I think that that makes it a hell of a lot less scary so just get started with literally the tiniest bump commit yourself to it um, but you know give yourself the time to do that and it does become a lot easier to view it that way and if in doubt you know if it's something that it's the same for anything you know if, if there's something that you really want to do and you just can't quite give yourself the push to do that and you need a bit of accountability you can always get a coach um you know someone that knows <laughs> what they're doing preferably and they can guide you through that because sometimes it's one of those things you know what you need to do but you just can't quite trust yourself to keep accountable to that especially when it's something scary like increasing food or going into a surplus so you know if you give it a try if it's not something you think you can do on on your own then get someone to help you there is absolutely no problem with that at all so hopefully that's helped a little bit and best of luck with it so second question I'm going to go on to a more exercise selection based question because I quite like it is Arnold shoulder press actually an effective slash optimal exercise So for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, you can Google it, but an Arnold press is basically in some ways another variation of shoulder press. It's a vertical pushing motion. You normally have two dumbbells. The difference is rather than just pushing straight up, you're twisting your arms as you go up to the top. (laughs) I don't know why I'm demonstrating it with my arms. Nobody can see me right now, but just imagine it. So you're kind of twisting as you go up and then you're twisting back in as it comes down. So that's basically what it is. Um, Obviously the main target muscle group is your shoulders and then your triceps will kind of be used a little bit as a secondary muscle but mainly on the shoulders and the idea of the the Arnold press is that it gets your anterior deltoids a little bit more so those are the ones on your front because you've kind of got front um shoulder muscles back shoulder muscles side shoulder muscles they all kind of yeah you, you, different exercises target different points so this is kind of meant to get a bit more of the front um so the reason probably this has been asked is probably because a person has seen different variations or different posts online saying like scrap the Arnold shoulder press it's the worst exercise ever I would say it's probably not the best exercise ever the most optimal exercise ever because in theory you could slightly change the angle of your bench and do a shoulder press at a slightly different angle and that would hit the anterior deltoids fine and you wouldn't have to do the whole twisting motion so there is potentially a slightly better substitute if you are doing it correctly however it's not wrong to do. There are some exercises where I would just say, look, there's absolutely zero point in you doing this exercise, take it out. But this isn't one of those. I do occasionally program Arnold shoulder press. Again, I don't necessarily think it's the most optimal exercise or the most optimal variation, I should say. But it is, if it's performed correctly, you know, I've never had anyone get injured doing it. I've never been injured doing it. I've never heard of anyone been injured doing it. So from a safety point of view, Again, maybe not the best exercise, but as long as it's performed correctly, then it's fine. It's not something that's super dangerous. It does its job. It does get the, um, you know, where you want in the shoulders. 
and also the triceps a little bit as well with having that twisting motion another advantage of doing the Arnold shoulder press um that's maybe not talked about quite so much is it forces you to have a bit more control because you're doing that you can't just rush through the motion which sometimes people do if they're just doing a standard shoulder press just to get it over and done with you have to slow that down control it a bit more and pay a bit more attention to the tempo so that is maybe an advantage of doing that other than just doing a slightly different angled shoulder press however probably not the most optimal version so I think from my perspective at least it's one of those where it's not pointless it does do its job it is a good exercise it's one that you could use however is there a more optimal variation yes there is so you could use that one instead if you want but I think you know particularly if people have limited equipment from home you know they're used to doing the same variations over and over and over again that's kind of somewhere where I use it a little bit more often sometimes I put it in gym programs but more often from home when people are bored of doing the same shoulder press week in week out program after program it's quite nice to have some variation as long as it's safe as long as it does do what it's meant to do um it's not the end of the world if there's slightly more optimal exercises so i would say is it is it effective does it do what it needs to do yes is there a slightly more optimal version yes so it's really kind of up to you which one you choose question number three actually i'm going to take a sip of water so i can talk Okay, question number three. Is it okay to do a long period, for example, eight weeks, of maintenance between deficits six to eight weeks? 100% yes, and arguably a very, very good thing to do. I wouldn't get too caught up on the amount of weeks specified because it depends dif- you know different time periods are appropriate at different times but if we're kind of taking out the the example weeks and just saying like is it okay to do a long break of maintenance in between doing deficits for sure and you probably will find that you get a lot further with your fat loss and there's several reasons for this so having that long period of maintenance could qualify as a diet break normally I would think of diet breaks as maybe kind of like a week long period within like a 12 or 16 week cut but this is obviously just an extended version of that so one reason why this can be really really helpful is so the answer to this is 100% hell yes if you're ready to do a bit of a break in between do it there's not really any downsides other than just the fact that you may feel like you've lost momentum a little bit but that's literally going to be the only downside um so yeah one advantage of having the diet breaks I'll use an example of a study. So basically they had two groups of people in a controlled study. I mean, to everyone, there can be criticisms of every study, but let's just go with this one. It's pretty reliable. And um, they put the two groups in the same kind of appropriate calorie deficit. So in theory, they should lose fat at the same rate. And one group got a diet break or refeed days, something along those lines, and the other group did not. So they dieted for the same period. One group had like maybe a week or a couple of days break at maintenance and the other group did not. And although the overall losses were pretty similar and maybe you know just going off weight they lost pretty similar amounts um and I think if anything the group without the break lost slightly more if I'm remembering correctly um however when they broke that down into what did they actually lose aka did they lose mostly water did they lose fat mass did they lose muscle mass which obviously you don't want to do did they lose you know anything along those lines that we don't really want to lose as well they measured that rather than just going off weight because as I said earlier weight is you know affected by so many different things and actually the group that had the diet break lost more fat mass than the group that didn't so the group that didn't have the diet break were losing slightly more things like muscle mass as well as fat mass so not 
you know, the, the big rate of fat loss or the big rate of weight loss, I should say, isn't necessarily representative of fat loss, which is obviously what you want. You don't want to be losing all your muscle mass. So from that, you can kind of conclude that actually, if I take a break, it's probably going to help me maintain a little bit more muscle mass when I'm cutting. Um, also, just energy perspective and a hunger perspective it's going to really really help to just have that break give you a bit of a time to reset um you know sort out hunger signals a little bit if they're getting quite high it can bring those back down a bit so you feel a bit more satiated and ready to go again um and also the other thing is as well is that it's very helpful if you're in the position where you come to the end of your dieting phase calories are pretty low you know you can't really reasonably lower them anymore um, so, you know, it's kind of like push them into an unsustainable level or just stop dieting. At that point, if you can bring your calories a bit higher, have, you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks of high calories where you're then still maintaining the fat loss that you've had. So you're, you know, pretty much the same level of leanness as when you finish your first dieting phase but now your calories just taking random ones for example but let's say you finished your dieting phase on 1600 calories and then you slowly work them up over those 12 weeks to 2000 calories if you can then go again for another dieting phase from a starting point of 2000 calories rather than 1600 calories but you know you look pretty much the same obviously you're going to feel a little bit more full when you've got more food in you so weight's probably increased a little bit maybe measurements too but overall you haven't gained back all the fat that you've lost you're in a much more suitable position to have a hell of a lot more fat loss again second time round starting from 2000 calories than 1600 because if you just try and keep pushing on the same low calories it just gets to the point where again the fat loss stops you don't really have any more unless you push the calories down lower than you want to and lower than you potentially should or do an, a crazy amount of exercise to combat that so it can really really help you to push further and that's what I also do with a lot of my clients I think sometimes a lot of the time people put a lot of pressure on this one dieting phase and it's like yes by the end of this dieting phase I'm gonna have the body of my dreams and I'm gonna be done with dieting forever woohoo and I mean that would be lovely and sometimes it does happen it depends on your starting place maybe if someone's already pretty lean they're starting on really really high calories it's a lot more likely to happen than someone that's maybe got quite a fair amount of body fat to lose not on as many calories etc but often it takes people a good few dieting phases to get to exactly where they want to be and that is so normal and good to have these breaks you do a dieting phase you reverse up you do another one reverse up each time you start the next dieting phase you're leaner than the one you started before but calories are in the same position if not better than when you started the last one so it really is the way and I think you know there's so many examples I can give where this has happened with my clients you know one of my girls recently we did a reverse to start with then we did a big long cut about 16 weeks from January then we or maybe it's slightly shorter than that, 12, 16 weeks. And then we reversed calories up, but she stayed exactly the same in terms of waist measurement and everything, didn't gain any body fat back at all. And then she just had a holiday, so we did a very short mini cut. So by the time we finished our reverse, our calories were like way, way past the 2000 mark. Yeah, I think they're like 2400 or 2500 maybe something like that and so then obviously it was very easy for us to drop into a deficit and we obviously finished this last dieting phase leaner than where she finished the last one even though we only did it for like four weeks and now we're pushing calories back up and she's managed to maintain that extra fat loss so by going a second time round not only was it a hell of a lot easier for her to have the fat loss so let's say when she was at the point where she was on 1800 calories dieting 
in both dieting phases the second time round she was losing body fat a lot quicker on those calories than the first time round because she hadn't been dieting as long um and so it's more aggressive deficit so yeah it can really really be helpful and, and that often is what you need to do to get you to where you need to be so a slightly long answer but that's what the podcast is for um yes it's really great to have breaks um between deficits you can utilize breaks in different ways they can be shorter refeed days where it's just one or two days of maintenance calories it could be week-long diet breaks if you're only going to cut for like 12 weeks 16 weeks and that's going to be it then yes maybe just have like one week or two weeks where you need to um and then if you are planning on doing several dieting phases to get to where you want to be have longer breaks and it's one of those things the longer you can stick away from dieting then the better the next dieting phase is going to go so let's say you did i would do maybe kind of 12 weeks or 16 weeks if you needed it of dieting and then maybe kind of the same amount of time reversing and then go again for another one and you'll find that you get even further um, and it actually feels a lot easier second time around than if you just kept pushing on the same dieting phase so yeah go ahead have the break it will be something that really benefits you and your dieting phase so um last question that i'm gonna answer um this is question number four is what process do i need to take to remove stubborn fat off inner legs for good i've only ever achieved fat loss on my legs noticeably from an eating disorder how do i do it healthily so when people are referring to kind of i have stubborn fat you know normally they mean like it just doesn't really go from there so maybe from what this person said i'm i'm kind of getting the impression that maybe like they lose fat relatively quickly off their stomach off their arms and then it just seems to be a lot slower on their legs so there are going to be some genetic things that come into play uh, we all store body fat more in some places and less in others we're not obviously all the same that's why sometimes um you know people have larger legs but their waist can be very lean or the other way around sometimes people have very lean legs but they carry their body fat on their stomach so you know it's different for everyone um is it i mean unless you have a medical condition i don't want to pronounce it wrong but there's one oh i'm gonna pronounce, i'm gonna absolutely butcher it but i'm pretty sure it's something like lipedema but that might be completely wrong but you probably know what the one i'm talking about where people have these kind of certain type of fat cells that are stored normally in their legs yeah unless you've got a medical condition like that which is relatively rare you're not it's not going to be impossible to lose fat off a certain area however it is going to be more difficult for you to lose fat in certain places than others, particularly for some people. Some people, it comes off pretty easily throughout their whole body and uh, they don't feel that way. But a lot of people, they feel like, oh, I just can't, you know, I can lose fat everywhere, but just not off my upper legs or just not off my stomach. And that is very normal. So what probably is the case from, from what this question has said in terms of like the only time that I've ever really kind of got rid of the fat that I'm I'm wanting to is from an eating disorder it probably suggests that in order to have the amount of fat loss that you're wanting to on your legs it's probably going to mean that you have to be at a body fat percentage that is not healthy for you because obviously you know it's from what you've said it seems to be pretty impossible to get to that point without um some very extreme behaviors or extreme restriction so on the one hand you know you could argue well you know it's one of those things where maybe the focus needs to be a bit more on kind of being a bit more neutral towards that and accepting that that is kind of you know how your body is that's a part of you and you know if you have to be at an un 
healthily low body fat percentage to make that change then arguably that's not the change that you should be trying to make which I know you know isn't something that people want to hear but it's potentially true obviously you know I'm only going off like two sentences so I am just kind of taking a bit of a stab in the dark but I have seen this before so that's kind of that's kind of one aspect if you you know if you're listening to this question you think oh actually no that's that's not me I don't think that I'm you know anywhere near a, an unhealthily low body fat percentage it's just um you know maybe I struggle to get there with dieting then the other side to it would be that you probably need to push for a slightly lower body fat percentage you know if you um if you're finding that it's coming off your legs last then probably you know that is going to be the last thing to change so in order to make that change you're going to probably have to lose more body fat overall in order to get that area of your body leaner so it may be more of a question of how can I do a dieting phase that is effective and sustainable enough for me so that I continue to lose body fat and so that eventually does come off my legs a little bit more does that make sense so um yeah that would kind of there's kind of like two sides and they both are conflicting but again I'm going off two sentences so it depends where you're at but if you're at the stage where it's like okay I am losing fat I still have you know a reasonable level of body fat though on me and it's just that it's not coming off my legs then it's about finding a way to push a little bit more with the fat loss so that it does come off there because it will come off eventually it's not going to never come off unless you've got again unless you've got a medical condition that means that it you can't just naturally have the fat loss there it will come off but it's probably just going to come off last so you've just got to get a little bit leaner overall so that those areas change and again you know it's about finding a sustainable way so that you're not pushed into really really restrictive behaviors to have that fat loss so maybe some just to kind of make it a bit more clear what I would advise if that is your situation I would say actually before you go for some more fat loss if you're dieting dieting it's just not working spend a period of time away from dieting build those calories right up really nice and high well well past the 2000 calorie mark so you, you can then create a really aggressive deficit or a really or more of a longer term deficit um, without having to go on super low calories so it's not going to feel really restrictive and maybe not kind of mirror previous restrictive behaviors and use that large deficit to get to a lower body fat percentage and that will help you make the change whereas if you're kind of just stuck on low calories like oh it's not coming off it's not coming off it's going to be very hard to be in a reasonably sized deficit so that would be my advice on the one side if it's the other side and you know realistically hey I'm already at a pretty low body fat percentage it's just not changing but it's not really healthy for me to lose more then I would say you know it's one of those things where the work needs to be done more on the mental side of things and kind of accepting that because again you know if you're at already a very low body fat percentage then arguably you know you don't need to lose that fat off your legs and it needs to be there and you know we all need some level of body fat to be healthy so it might be more about kind of starting to accept that and work on body image and things like that so hopefully that's helpful two completely different answers there but again it just depends on where you're at and I'm guessing there's probably people listening that are on both sides of the spectrum so hopefully that answers it for you all so that is everything from the podcast today I have planned out the next couple of ex- episodes so we won't have a Q&A for a while but we will do one again at some point hopefully you enjoyed um we are on Apple podcast as well now woohoo finally it's such a ag to sort out so if you're listening to this on Spotify but you prefer Apple podcasts then listen on there if you haven't already then I would really appreciate if you give this podcast a five-star rating you can do that both on 
Apple Podcast and on Spotify. It really does help me out. And if you enjoy, feel free to share Instagram stories, share it with friends, anyone that you think would benefit from this podcast. Um, always really appreciate any any help with that. So I will see you again for the next episode and have a lovely week. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'll be back with another episode next Monday. Please remember to subscribe to it and like it if you enjoyed and want to make sure that you don't miss another episode. And remember to follow me on my social media channels. I will leave the link to all of them in the description. 